When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Insider Matthew Collar here inside TCO Performance Center and with me Kevin Seifert of ESPN. I, I know Kevin, I didn't tell you you were going to be on video, so I understand why you don't have the ESPN, the whole makeup thing, but I, I think you look great and we're ready to talk some football. Podcast casual is what I'm calling calling my style right now. Does that work? No, yeah, that's that's perfect. I, I think you look like a football <laughs> reporter. We all look exactly the same anyway. I'm going with vest season here because it's what like they the, don't know is we're not wearing pants, but that's yeah. Right, well, you can't yeah. see below the waist, and uh, <laughs> Good that thing. just became more awkward than I needed it to be. <laughs> so let's talk about football instead of anything else. Yeah. Uh, I here's where I want to talk about with you because I have noticed that you've been taking quite an interest in the coaching situation yeah. as everyone has for Kevin O'Connell and the way that he has handled losing Justin Jefferson, losing Kirk cousins. And here we are a five game winning streak. Let's just start with like the hottest way we could phrase this coach of the year, right? Like at this point, does Kevin O'Connell not have a very strong case to be talking about coach of the year? He absolutely does. Now, if the question is, is he going to win it? I would bet it's D'Amico Ryans at this point because it's usually the newcomer who gets more wins out of a team than is expected, which will raise the question about why Kevin O'Connell didn't win it last year, but that was last year. And uh, I guess there's nothing we can do about that, but I, I can't, I mean, it is what he's, what he has produced in terms of wins, like forget style, forget anything else, like what he's produced in terms of wins, given the amount of players he's lost, uh, having to start three different quarterbacks in three different games, you know, navigating Josh Dobbs, who I don't care if he's the president of Mensa, like that's still, he still needed a lot of help to get through that game in Atlanta and to basically be his eyes and ears uh, was, was incredible. And then, um, you know, then to continue it, uh, to think of it all without Justin Jefferson, um, at least this five game winning streak is just um, an incredible accomplishment. And I think it takes him from, being a guy that is one of Sean McVay's whiz kids um, who are sprinkled throughout the league, you know, they've all had their levels of success to someone who has stepped way beyond the scheme and way beyond play calling to be a genuinely impressive leader um, in a time when they very easily could have crumbled. And I, I think that that's what stands out to me is how often we roll our eyes when coaches talk about their culture yeah. and their, pet theories and everything else, but they usually don't get tested until things get very hard. Yeah. And for last year, I'm not saying there was no adversity for them last year, but man, Kevin O'Connell must've felt like he did something really right with God, the yeah. way things worked out. Yeah. They won every late game. They didn't have any real key injuries. 
and and everything just went right for him. The locker room came together pretty quickly. Yeah. Kirk Cousins played very well last year, especially at the end of games. And then he goes into this year and it was like, oh, that deal with the devil, it's up. <laughs> yeah. And now he comes to take your soul in the yeah. form of fumbling the ball at an insane rate right. to start the season. You start 0-3. The defense looks pretty terrible at the beginning of the year. And, and there was really no reason at that point, even at 1-4, and four, to believe that this was going anywhere except for fairly high draft pick town. Yeah. And yet, the way he's brought it together, it, it, we see it with the players connecting with each other in, in even like small ways, like Justin Jefferson is hurt, but he's on the sideline. We heard about this today, helping Jordan Addison identify coverages yeah. and stuff that he's getting. Like there, there seems to be all these micro examples of players coming together, which I think starts with O'Connell. Do you feel like that is the, that is the key to this? Like what, what, like what is it that is separating him from other coaches in this ability to keep everybody pulling together? Well, I, I think it's, belief partly i think back to uh you know the vikings when they win they always put his post game uh speeches on on their social media and the post game speech after they beat carolina their first game of the year is you know he's very excited he's going through it and at the end he goes and away we effing go and i kind of laughed you know honestly because you just went to to beat you know arguably the worst team in football and you needed to get three sacks from Harrison Smith to do it and including the play I mean it wasn't a resounding victory by any stretch of the imagination but he believed it was and 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 sometimes you can will a little bit of that into existence I do think it's also just his personal approach like I I kind of laughed at like at that the at what he said but not the way he said it like it was very genuine and like it wasn't over the top football coachy and so and I think players by the time they get to the NFL most of them especially a veteran locker room like this like they know the difference between a guy trying to give a rah-rah speech and somebody basically uh, giving them his their, his honest feeling and his honest feeling was that they were poised to to go and and since that point they're five and one and so um, I I think that is part of it it's not the only part I even think last year like we all talked about how lucky they were and they were lucky but there were not all of the reasons they were winning games was luck. Like there was a nuance there that I think people just kind of glossed over um, to be that consistently good at the end of games means you have your situational uh, mastery under control. You, you, you have taught play, you know, as the coach and you've taught the players how to play in those situations and given them the, the, um, the empowered them to be able to do that. Um, and you set up a, a culture that, that uh, supports it. And so I think, while they uh, were absolutely getting a lot luckier last year than they did in the beginning of this year, it wasn't the only reason they were good. And if you take, if you look at the beginning of last season until now, he's got like the fifth best winning percentage of any coach in the NFL. I think what we often see when a coach goes through what they went through early in the season is it's not so much that the players stop trying to win or anything like that. Like, I don't think players in the NFL really give up. I mean, you got to be extreme. You got to be like whatever's happening with the New England Patriots to yeah. see players <laughs> yeah. really give up. Yeah. But for the most part, you'll even see a team like, hey, Houston Texans won that last game uh, yeah. of last year to get themselves C.J. Stroud. There are many, many of these examples where the Jaguars, even under uh, when Urban Meyer Urban gets Meyer. fired, or was he still there at that point when they beat Philadelphia 
or, or, or no, uh, Indianapolis. Yeah, they beat yeah. Indianapolis to keep Indianapolis out of the playoffs with Carson Wentz. Like these are professional players and they know what they put on tape is important. So they're not going to stop trying. But what we see a lot of times is the coach goes crazy. Yeah. Like just with the amount of pressure and the amount of things that they try to overcompensate for when they're losing and making too many changes and the even handedness of O'Connell through that moment was to me defining for how I felt about yeah. him as a head coach and what it means to this organization going forward that the Dobbs thing is crazy, but that's like an aberration. I mean, that's a once in a decade, even more. I don't know how many times I've ever seen it where a guy Never. has to come in and doesn't even know what to do. And the coach yeah. gets in his headset. That's going to be what stands out more to people. And because he's a former quarterback, he's capable to me. It's more of how the one, the zero and three and one and four was handled. Yeah. And just, I mean, look at another coach who was hired at the same time as him, Josh McDaniels, and look at everything that's leaked out. We always find out when the players don't like the coach eventually, you know, the urban Meyer you mentioned is another example. It doesn't always happen in real time, but we eventually always hear the stories that the players um, are experiencing. They're telling their agents they're telling other people around the league and it gets out. Um, there was none of that here. And I'd be really shocked if we come to find out that there were a lot of players rolling their eyes at O'Connell when he was saying, and away we go and all that, like, or the, when they were going through the Owen three star, like, I really don't think that was the case. Um, you know, the one moment I thought maybe like some players would look at him a little cockeyed is when he said um, that he basically implied they would start benching people if they fumbled the ball. And we knew that probably wasn't likely to happen. And it kind of, you know, they stopped fumbling eventually. When they started hitting people with weird apparatuses, yes. I will tell you that I thought, do you really want to go to Amazon and start ordering whatever Which you can kind of somebody, either he or somebody said that they basically ordered everything you can order off the internet because the resources here are, are, are on, are on uh, yielding. I guess they can always get the resources to buy whatever they want. But uh, I, and that to me was a little bit like, like I, I don't know if you want to show up with some kids blow up, thing that they play you know, bonk each other in the head on a hot summer day in the pool or whatever and so i don't know if you necessarily want that but like you know whatever the, if they if if you want to credit that or you just want to credit to the ups and downs and ebbs and flows of, of turnovers you can but they got it fixed yeah and to, to me yeah i don't think a coach has the ability to solve fumbles yeah like the fumbles were they are random also who recovers them is random. So they had an absurd amount of fumbles, but it was crazy that they almost never recovered their own fumbles yeah. or the other team's fumbles. Still, I will tell you that I was looking at every other metric, you know, yards per play, all these other things. And there was nothing that indicated to me that this team was going to be different. I thought they would get back in the playoff race because I've seen this movie many times mm -hmm. before, but I'm now realizing that there's a different director to the same movie that you know they might have been able to pull this off in 2021 had the director not have lost his mind yeah. in the middle of that season which all the things that happened I understand why Zimmer did yeah. but still there wasn't an even-handedness there there was players at the end of that era who were calling it what was it culture of fear or yes. whatever whatever it yeah. might have been I think that O'Connell being a former player and so recently a former player, not like 15 years ago, that he has this real finger on the pulse, like a real awareness. And that might be his his best trait about him where he's also like I found this interesting even today. So an awareness of like what players need from him, for one, what they do and what they don't mm -hmm, need. Mm -hmm. But even like one of the criticisms coming out of Sunday's game was that they were too conservative in the second half. Yeah. 
And trust me, uh, the last coach that I covered would call us a bunch of idiots for yeah. asking about yeah. that and telling yeah. us we'd never seen a football before and everything else. And O'Connell basically said, that's right. Like I'm going to assess how I handled that, which I personally didn't have a huge problem with. You're still playing with a backup quarterback. Yeah. You're trying to run the clock down. You don't believe that the other team can score, maybe played with fire a little bit too much, but his ability to constantly be reassessing himself and a self-awareness to say, you know what? Maybe they are right. Like yeah. maybe there is some criticism there yeah. about how conservative I was. I feel like now you've covered more coaches than me. I feel like that's unusual for football. Coaches. Yeah. And this was something I was thinking about um, talking to another uh, colleague in another city. Like, I feel like he, and this is sort of an extension of what you're talking about. Like he's up for any question from us. Like I can't think of a time when anyone going back to the very start of last season um, has asked him a question that he basically said, like, that's not a worthy question. Like, even if he thought it like, like he creates the facade or, or, or creates the culture of like any, you know, all, all, all bets are off. Like you don't have to worry about him trying to embarrass you publicly. You're certainly not, you're going to get an attempt at an answer from everything. And so if that's the way he's, he's with us, I'd imagine it's like, I'm sure he has, he, he has more authority over the players. And so he has to, manage them differently than he manages the media but like i've been impressed and because i also think that he knows as a former player that players if they're not reading the stories that are written about um the team they're hearing about it or seeing social media clips and so he's very aware that what he says to us is probably going to be consumed by the players and so you can see the the um the 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 wheels turning in his head is like okay you asked me about Justin Jefferson. I'm going to say something here and Justin Jefferson is going to hear it. So I want to make sure it's something that we're all on the same page with. So I, and while that's, I mean, sometimes that helps deliver a message. It also helps prevent fires that happen almost on every team, every season where a player sees something in the media and says, you know, and gets ticked off justified or not. And so I I'm sure as a player, he wouldn't, didn't want to read uh, things said about him that hadn't been said to him. And so I, I also, I see that's just a very small part of it, the interaction with us, but I see that as having a larger, um, a larger sort of uh, impact on, on his relationship with players. I completely agree. And because former Vikings players have told me about with Zimmer, yeah. one of the things that would drive them crazy is when they would hear something from the head coach. And, and I hate to make this a comparison, but it's the only two coaches I've covered yeah. and it's very different approaches. Yeah. And so Zimmer would say some things to us that were different than his actual message inside the locker mm -hmm, room mm -hmm. and to the players. And, I, and sometimes it was also way too far of being way too revealing to us, yeah, yeah. like saying Anthony Barr has a tendency to coast yeah, things like that. Like right. that really upset the locker room because Barr was playing through an injury that year right. and everybody knew it. It was like, wait a minute, tendency to coast, like the guy's playing out there hurt. He probably yeah. shouldn't even be playing. And so then, like you said, like those things, Every family watches them. They mm -hmm. all read what, what's written about it. The, the press conferences are streamed. So yeah. if there's something that gets said about a player, there's tweets that are tagging that player. They're oh, not yeah. going to miss it. Yeah. And uh, the delicacy of the Jefferson situation is just a, another example of this where I he that man wants Justin Jefferson back on his football team desperately wants him back. I mean, like he's, you could praise Jalen Naylor. I thought Naylor was fine. He yeah. ain't just Jefferson, no. yeah. right. He's probably watching CD lamb being like, I have that here. <laughs> yeah, right. I just want to get it back. So he could easily, and we've seen coaches do this before pressure through the media 
well, you know, Jefferson's, you know, he's just got to push it. You know, he's got to push himself. And instead he has played it very safely. He's which, depressurizing it. Right. Like yeah. we want more information, bro. Yeah. When is he coming back? Yeah. Please yeah. tell us right now. And at every turn, he's been like, well, you know, we don't want to get him hurt and everything else, which is what Justin doesn't want. And so those messages are matching up. And I can't remember a time where whether it was cousins or whether it was him, maybe the fourth and eight check down, there's almost no times where we've been like, Oh, a player told us this, but then the coach told us this. Yeah. So who's actually got it right. That is very difficult to achieve. I feel like when you have to talk for 20 minutes, four different times yeah. during a week. Well, he's, I mean, he's, he's obviously gifted with gab of gab with gab of gab about gab has the gift he, of gab he can gab um and people forget like after he retired as a player like, he was kind of trying to figure out what he wanted to do and he was in the media for a while he was um not only was he like doing color analyst on uh you know, cbs uh, college football but like he was if you go to youtube there's like random interviews he did in the hallway uh, at the combine for i think cbs or somebody like just totally random um i think it was one of them was like andy dalton or so it was weird a weird uh combination of people but so they, he he definitely has the ability to articulate his thoughts and like and say them in a measured way and and not get himself into trouble i think back to what adam thielen said during training camp last year so basically their first training camp with the guy and he you know, things had you know they'd had a bad practice or whatever and and thielen's um thought to himself is like is this guy ever gonna rip us because he had he was well, he was just you know saying like in a sort of the, the kind of positive way of saying like we can do better than this or something very, very kind of pleasant, I guess, in, in football terms at least. And Thielen was just like so blown away. It's like, what do we have to do to get ripped? And, and he's like, it's not just that I'm used to Zimmer. He's like, this is my high school coach, my college coach, my peewee, you know, Pop Warner coach. All football coaches rip the crap out of people for, for sport mm -hmm. during practice. Like that's your invitation to speak like exceptionally rudely to people and like insult things that you would never be allowed to do in any other workplace. And it's totally normal. And O'Connell doesn't do that. Um, you know, and, and it was part of when I was reporting a story last year about uh, the relationship between Kirk cousins and, and O'Connell and how it was probably easy to say, well, uh, you know, cousins, you know, was treated badly by Zimmer and great by O'Connell and, and nobody accepted that premise, but um what I remember Patrick Peterson telling me is that, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be like one guy's bad. This guy's good. Like there just has to be the good match. And, and O'Connell has a way of, of identifying and being a good match for all of these guys. And I'm sure there's players who've been upset with him. I'm sure there's people out in the, in the world who wish Kevin O'Connell wasn't the Vikings coach It's just a, a, you know, a fact of life, but he's exceptionally good at, at personal interaction, keeping it positive, keeping it productive. Um, but also like avoiding conflict, I guess is the best way to put it. Folks. I hope you've enjoyed listening to us talk about prize picks this year, but if you've missed it, here's how it works. You go to prizepicks.com, and it is simple. You pick either more or less between two and six players, stat projections and that's it. Now you're playing. So if it's X number of yards for a quarterback, you just decide, are they going to throw for more or less than that number of yards? But it works with lots of different options, receiving yards, touchdowns, even field goals, all sorts of sports as well. Prizepicks.com slash purple. Go there. Use the code purple for the first deposit match up to $100. One of the reasons I like prize picks, it is very simple to use. You'd see how we do it on the show real quick. 
and easy. And then we talk about our picks and also not expensive either. You can turn $10 into $250 by nailing just a couple of picks. So go to prizepicks.com slash purple, the code purple, daily fantasy sports made easy. Well, I haven't heard from the Harbaugh people recently. There <laughs> were still at zero and three. There were yeah. Harbaugh people saying, "You know what? I was always into hiring Harbaugh." Yeah, well, he's a lunatic, so I think you're fine in not having done that. Yeah. But uh, to your point about being a fit, Sam Bradford will tell you he got along with Mike Zimmer great. Yeah. They saw football the same way. They they really liked each other. Uh, Sam Bradford told me that they would text about ball. They would talk about all sorts of different coverages, different things. Obviously, everyone knows the Teddy Bridgewater relationship. Yeah. And that's why I don't like to say, hey, Zimmer was hated quarterbacks yeah. and then whatever else. But it was clear that he and Kirk Cousins never gelled. And whose fault that is, I, I guess you can probably debate that too. Mm -hmm. But Cousins already had a previous relationship with O'Connell. Mm -hmm. And the best way I can describe it is, O'Connell handles head coach like a position coach because usually position coaches are a lot more the the good cop to the bad yeah. cop head coach who's yeah. mad at the players all the time. So they kind of embrace. Uh, and that's been interesting. What I wondered about when he was hired and early in the process, and it still comes to my mind sometimes it's like, can this guy like turn it on mm -hmm. if he has to get his team in line? But the thing is that they are already in line. It's yeah. not like you have to push some button yeah. that like yeah. sends a message to your players when they kind of always fly the same way. That presumes that there's always a call. There's always going to be a call for, to be a jerk, you know, to be a football jerk, I guess right. I should say, and like right. curse people out, you know, throw the, the training tape, dump the training table, all the things, you know, from bull Durham and we're going to date ourselves with make everybody run in the shower and then read them the riot act. Like, that assumes that that's the only way to get through to people. It assumes it's the only way to motivate people. It assumes it's the only way to, to uh, turn around, a, a, you know, to write a sinking ship, I guess. And it's not. And like, maybe that's something that wouldn't have been accepted 10 or 15 years ago, but, um, and maybe when you're a 38 year old head coach, you can, um, you need to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't, you, you're not in a position to stand on a chair and scream and yell. And maybe when he's 58 and coaching, uh, you know, being a head coach, he, he'll act differently. But one thing he said, I think, and, and so many people I think have smartly said is that you can't fake who you are. Like no one who knows Kevin O'Connell would believe it was genuine. If he started, you know, profanity laced tirade and became profanity laced tirade guy, that would not be genuine. No one would be motivated by that. They would think he was just um, acting that way and it wouldn't work. So He's, be he's best off, and this is what he's pursued, using his own personality, his own approach, see and seeing how far that will take it. I, and, and I think when we evaluate coaches, a lot of times it's game day, and that's because that's like the biggest moments, and that's what everybody sees. Like mm -hmm. all the fans see game day. But what, what I found is that there are shortcomings in his game on game day, I think. Okay. I think he is so focused on the quarterback that there will be some decisions that he regrets from when to be conservative versus when to be aggressive. Not that he doesn't acknowledge some of these things, but that it's not perfect. Yeah. And I don't know that there are any coaches, maybe John Harbaugh is as close as it gets to like nailing all the numbers, things time in and time out. But 
I think that we put too much on that. Like, did you punt? Uh, and, and look, I'm as big as anti punt as anybody in the world, but, but what I think I've really, we've really seen here is the combination of connecting with your team and game planning yeah. to get receivers open and blocking schemes and just little things that have been done. Cause I want to talk about that part of this whole thing yeah. with his connection with Josh Dobbs, the headset thing is wild. And I don't know. I'll ever see it again, the way he did it. But I thought this week was as impressive to prepare him for a full game plan to get it blocked up against a really good team. They've done little things that I wondered if it would even work, like put CJ Ham in on third and long. I was yeah. like, I don't know, man, is that, but it actually has been effective right. for right. them uh, to, to be able to block it up. And that's where it all comes together for me. When we talk about the best coaches in the league and look, I'm not crowning the guy. They're six and four, like this could go any way or whatever, but just as we work with the information we have, and we think about Pete Carroll, we think about Mike Tomlin, like right to the to the top of your head, John Harbaugh, Kyle Shanahan, all these guys. I feel like they always have a schematic advantage that goes along with just being them yeah. and who they are to start with. Like you begin with a prepared team, you begin with a schematic advantage. And I saw a really interesting tweet from Greg Rosenthal of NFL.com. He said, if the Vikings and Saints switch coaching staffs yesterday, the Saints win. And I yeah. thought... You know, I, I think I agree with that. I yeah. think I actually completely agree with that. Yeah. And that that is where it's marrying it together is right. Mike Tomlin's defenses are still nasty. They're still winning games without getting 400 yards. Like that's that's where you can have a great motivator and you can have a great guy who connects with your players. Maybe Leslie Frazier was like that. But if you're not also answering the bell schematically, which I thought they did exceptionally well yeah. against New Orleans, then, then it doesn't mean anything, but to be able to do that, bring in a new quarterback, find what works for him and, and be able to c prepare him against a good defense. That was what took it to another level for me. Yeah. And, and expand it out. It's not just offensively, defensively. Like you talk about the, the game day um, aspect of O'Connell. I thought that was his biggest failing last year was being unable, whether through it because his personality, he's 38 at Donatel is, older i'm not exactly sure he's probably in his, around 60 but been around a long time um he was unable to get ed donatel off of the way he was calling games and that's that was his job like he hired him to do a certain thing he wasn't doing it and not only was he not doing it but o'connell in increasingly public ways was trying to get him to do something different you know talking about how you know got to look in the mirror and make changes and he wasn't able to get him to do it the entire year and it ended up being to me i know fourth and six and their fourth, you know, the TJ Hawkinson throw, but to fourth me, and eight. fourth and eight. Okay. Uh, it's been brought up occasionally. Uh, on the I'm show. sure. And Maybe I know that once. play was bad, but like, to me, what knocked them out of the playoffs was they couldn't stop the giants, yeah. uh, you know, def uh, defensively. And so that ended up scuttling what was otherwise a great year. So, so he, but he did, you know, make the change and, you know, Brian, he, Brian Flores, I think is just a much better defensive coordinator than Ed Donatel. And we don't even have to debate that, but, uh, O'Connell has gotten it to where he and I think and Brian Flores are on the same page in terms of what he wants them to do. And he I think they kind of worked through some of the early blitz rates and have gotten to a place where everybody's really happy. So the that part of O'Connell's performance last year has dramatically improved, if only because the person he has in the job is is more on the same page. But we can talk about all the things that O'Connell did with Josh Dobbs and has done with the scheme without Justin Jefferson. But I think he also gets some of the credit for 
managing a much better uh, defense or managing an improvement in the defense through a coordinator that is able and willing to execute the vision that he had in the first place. Well, and also acknowledging that mistake that Ed Donatel's defense was not a fit for his own personal philosophy and how defense should be played and fixing it. I also think too, have you ever heard the, uh, the George Carlin famous baseball and football thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So if you haven't heard it, go find it. It's on YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, wait till the end of this, go find it. Uh, but George Carlin's famous bit was basically like baseball. It's sunny outside. And if it rains, we all go home football. They send blitzes and they're in the trenches. That to me is coaching offense versus coaching defense. Fair. And with offense, it's like, we have route combinations and look yeah. at how many different fun, creative things we could do at defenses. We need to murder opponent <laughs> and we need to blitz and send yeah. people and play physical. And, you know, I think Flores has a lot more than Ed Donatel for that grit to him. Yeah. That is what is needed. And the aggressive approach, everybody feels like they're involved with him as well. Uh, but the aggressive approach is always going to resonate more with players yeah. than let's just sit back and let the other team complete a bunch of passes on us. I mean, I just feel like the buy-in on that defensive side has been really valuable. And I think this speaks to, it's not just Brian Flores, Keenan McCardo. Here's another receiver under Keenan McCardo, like Jordan Addison yeah. looking like a star. Brandon Powell is not a guy who was really considered a receiver before this year. He was a running and, back. And, and I don't want to connect a hundred percent like receiver coach to look at this, yeah. but how can you not? Mm-hmm. And, and so I feel like quarterback coach who's had to manage all of this and be an extension of O'Connell, Chris O'Hara does he, you know, no one knows his name, but this is another guy, their offensive line coach. They all of a sudden pass block yeah. and, and they bring in Reisner and now, you know, Dobbs has time to throw. I think one of the biggest failings of the previous regime was the coaching staff really corroded over the year. I don't think people wanted to work here. And now they have, I think, one of the best and most complete coaching staffs, which I guess leads me to, are we going to be talking like this in a couple weeks, right? (laughs) Because this is the NFL, right? So it feels like this has all come together in a way that I've only seen a couple times. 2017 is probably the best example with, good coaching players, everybody fitting into their role, buying in, but they're losing Jordan Hicks here. That's going to be a problem. We don't know when Jefferson is back. Uh, Josh Dobbs still does have a previous record of turning the ball over a lot. Like we, we just spent a lot of time saying, wow, they are just amazing. Yeah. Uh, do you want to, do you want to pour some water on that? Or like, how are you feeling about Well, this? eventually, you know, personnel attrition will get you, you know, they're also, you didn't mention there, you know, Alexander Madison is in the, um, in the concussion protocol. And while he hasn't had the greatest of seasons, you you don't have the backup that they wanted there either in cam Akers. And so now you're talking about going to Denver and starting your number three running back with a kick returner as the number four, and then maybe a rookie that's been on the practice squad and Dwayne Miles Gaskin also well, miles Gaskin was just signed, you know, Frankly, you might think, you know, and this is other teams have done this, too. When you get in a real emergency at running back, you go fullback, you know, CJ Ham. But that will wait on that one. But uh, eventually, if you don't start getting some of those players back and we know Justin Jefferson is going to be back sooner than later, if not this week. But it hurts. And like 
I mean, there's no rule that says, you know, now Ivan Pace is going to be the, the, the green dot for Jordan Hicks. Like, what if he gets hurt? Or what if he just isn't able to do it? Like, what do you do then? And so eventually you run out of players. <laughs> this is what it eventually comes down to if it's going to be this kind of season. Maybe they've just hit a hit a, a bad spot and these things ebb and flow. And some of these guys that we're talking about are definitely going to come back. It does sound like Jordan Hicks, you know, barring complications from his uh, compartment syndrome, will be back at some point. Um, and, you know, they'll be they'll start getting more players, but uh, they do have a, a very favorable schedule here for the next three weeks. And then you you get into the Cincinnati and Detroit twice, which we've always talked about is going to be a really tough end to the year. And especially if you're going to need to win some of those games to make the playoffs, as I think they probably are going to. Folks, I cannot believe how many sports are going on right now. And guess what? There's a way to go to all of them with affordable tickets. My friends, you are going to want to check out Game Time. It is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to any sports event that you want to attend and much, much more. One of the cool parts about Game Time is that they have flash deals on last-minute tickets and a low-price guarantee, which means if you find something lower in the section or row, they will credit you 100 You also get images of your seat locations, which I love because those maps can be a little confusing. Buy tickets in seconds and have them arrive right there on your phone. It's great. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code INSIDER for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. And the bye week is brutal for us because this is a lot of football we've covered without uh, any sort of uh, time off. Not that I'm complaining football, but for a team that has been as banged up as they are having it late in the season gives them an opportunity. Like even Marcus Davenport, you know, potentially coming back and Jordan Hicks at some point will return that they could be healthier down the stretch going into those games than your average team, which could play in their benefit. None of this is going to matter though, if Josh Dobbs doesn't continue to play great. So let's talk about that. Okay. The, the quarterback situation is the fascination of the entire football world. Uh, everyone is talking about Dobbs mania or whatever you want. I don't know. Magic. What, yeah. Whatever it is. Um, I, I think with Dobbs, there's a lot of things that I see that could continue. Like his physical skill is just not going away. Yeah, yeah. How smart he is, is how well he fits with a quarterback coach who's going to put a lot onto his plate and ask him to read. And also his communication seems to be tremendous uh, with the coaching staff. All of that can carry on. I've also seen one of the smartest people on earth, Ryan Fitzpatrick, have hot runs yeah. and then fall off the edge of a cliff. Uh, Josh McCown, who probably knows more football and more systems than any person on earth. He also had that run with Chicago where he was Mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. And then Tampa Bay signed Mm -hmm. him. And after that, you know how it went. I mean, what, what's, how are you feeling about this? Like, I guess if you want to talk short short and long-term or short first and then long-term, just like, what is your sense after watching two really remarkable and memorable games of Josh Dobbs. Yeah, I thought this last week after Atlanta and still think this. I think he was sort of the perfect candidate for exactly what they needed, which was somebody to come in and be smart enough to get his wits about him to the point where he could function on a snap-to-snap basis, um, but also with the athleticism to to uh, to counteract the times when he didn't know what to do or couldn't find a guy to throw to or didn't feel comfortable yet throwing to it. So he had had these really two unique, skill sets that 
are awfully important when you're dropping in, you know, you're, you're parachuting into a team. And the third thing is frankly, having O'Connell, you know, and having the play caller be a former quarterback who is not that far removed from his career is exceptionally scheme oriented, exceptionally, um, uh, you know, calls plays based on defensive expectations and maybe all guys do that, but he's been very open about that. So he has really, so three unique skill sets, one of which being the head coach. And so you mentioned Josh McCown in Chicago. If I remember right, I think that was either Mark Tressman or Mike Martz, whoever the offensive coordinator was then he and McCown were locked in. And like, it was almost like if they stayed together for the rest of the time, like McCown would have a different career. And sometimes that's the case. And we've seen that you know, a lot in, in, in NFL history where just the right combination of people um, lead to the best uh, outcomes in a career for those, all the people involved. And they just can't stay together for whatever reason. But I do think that, uh, you know, especially right now in this, in this, what's really still a crisis management mode, you know, this is still triage to, to uh, the quarterback position when the top three guys are gone. Um, and you're just, you're just, hoping that your offense can function and anything beyond that is gravy. I think he was probably the perfect candidate for that. I like, I'm not really entertaining uh, the idea of what it means for uh, next season or the Kirk cousins negotiations or all that. I think that will be, is not evident yet, but it will be. But if they have to play the rest of the year with Josh Dobbs, um, that's a good thing. That means that he didn't get hurt and, or, and, or didn't fail to the point where they had to turn to, whichever their backups is healthy at the time. I do think that someone like Brock Purdy and if Josh Dobbs continues to thrive in this may make us rethink a little bit how we feel about quarterbacks. Um, But there's been lots of examples through history of this. Yeah. But what you've seen in recent years is pretty much you're either a franchise quarterback or it's a rookie who's either going to sink or swim. And I think that's a a major part of why like offense is down this year league wide. I don't think it's down from the best teams, but I think a lot of teams that are not the best have put all of their eggs in young quarterbacks Ten rookies starting. Right. And if those guys struggle, which they often do, then you're in a lot of trouble. But I also kind of think about like, we've moved on from the Rogers in the NFC, maybe forever. I don't know. Maybe mid December is what he says, but probably not. And Drew Brees is gone, and and there's been a like a shift of some yeah. of the older franchise quarterbacks who have retired or are not the same versions of themselves. And what I feel like we are seeing is some guys be totally situation oriented. Like Josh Dobbs in Arizona cannot thrive; he is the thirtieth yeah. best quarterback in the league. But here it's just different. That doesn't mean it can work for anybody or it, forever, right? Or forever. Yeah, it's a great point. Which. I know you just said, let's let it play out, but it's the end of the show, which is where you have to start talking about predicting things. Otherwise we just have to end awkwardly (laughs) and it started awkwardly. So we can't end awkwardly. Uh, So how do we, how do we think this plays out? Because to me, the range is very wide and there's still a range that involves Kirk cousins returning, but by each week and each scramble specifically, which I think Kevin is really enjoying. Yeah. Uh, I think it becomes less likely that Cousins returns with each with each great game by Josh Dobbs, not just because of Dobbs, but also because of the idea that you can have someone else play quarterback other than Kirk and have a successful offense. Yeah, and you could I guess the middle range you can envision if you want to envision is Josh Dobbs as a bridge to somebody they draft next year or the year after. Um not saying he's going to be their guy for the next 10 years. Uh, could be Jaron Hall that takes over for him one day, although they're, I think they're only like three years different uh, <laughs> age wise, 
but um, like ultimately when they have to decide cousins versus Dobbs, they'll probably have to be thinking if they have to decide this, they'll probably be thinking is the mobility and probably the, the lower financial uh, impact that Dobbs would bring worth whatever drop-off there would be. And there is a drop-off in the precision downfield passing that Kirk had mastered here um, and will probably be able to replicate next year and beyond here or somewhere if, if he's not playing here. And that's the calculus that, that Kwesi Adolfo Mensa will have to decide like that chunk, like the, the difference uh, there is which what's more valuable to him. And so it might be that they, you know, they say, Hey, you know, we have a pretty good team. Like let's not mess with it. Kirk has, you know, been great. He's going to be a hundred percent. But they will be, certainly it's tempting uh, to, to have that thought. I think at the end of the season, if he continues to do what he's doing um, and even then you never, I mean, the case Keenum, you know, here, the, the, the reason Kirk Cousins ended up here is because the Vikings decided that Case Keenum coming in as a backup and taking them to the NFC Championship game was not enough to get them to commit to him long term. And that might have been the right decision. That might have been a perfect storm of him and Pat Shermer as the offense coordinator uh, being in lockstep and everybody, you know, that that was sometimes things just happen in a bottle for one season. And and the biggest mistake you can make is thinking that it's going to continue on. And so I think that'll be a lot of what the rational thought process will be. I don't know what the crazy uh, range is on either side, but to me, that's where it'll all end up. And they're also going to have to evaluate what they think of these quarterbacks. Uh, Jalen Daniels looks fine to me uh, from LSU. There's a a guy who can run and throw the ball pretty impressively. He's kind of, uh, I think emerged more recently as someone who is intriguing as a potential draft pick, but there's quite a few of these guys. Even Bo Nix is a pretty good athlete. I just just am going to rest on this one moment that I'm going to think of for a while when Dobbs runs into the end zone and O'Connell turns around and throws his hands yeah. up to the crowd yeah. as in like I screwed up that play call and that man scored a touchdown. Yeah. And how many times could we say that a lot of times it would be post games of, Hey, what happened on that third down? And well, that's on me. I didn't give him the good enough yeah. play call. It's like, well, you didn't give him a good enough play call on that touchdown either, but right. he scored a touchdown right that's kind of the point is that a lot of the reason the vikings would have would rest on did they convert third down and long or Mm -hmm. not on a week-to-week basis and they wouldn't have a highest scoring percentages on drives and a lot of three and outs and a lot of punts despite high statistics for cousins is that he can't make you right yeah and so even though he can complete a pass and and a third and ten he can't get the first down a lot of times. And and that's just a dynamic that I think seeing that at play yeah. has to be pretty attractive. But I think that like, like cousins can't make it right on the ground, but there are definitely plays where he's made throws that Josh Dobbs oh, yeah. and other people probably can't that he saved a bad play call with a great read or a great uh, precision throw or just, you know, having something with, a, you know, having a communication with a receiver that leads to something off off schedule. Um, so there is value in that, too. Um, but clearly, it's if you have the ability to make it right by just making people miss, that's a lot higher percentage than getting that precision type throw that most quarterbacks can't make. Yeah, to me, it's continuing to keep the sticks moving. Yep. more than what do your stats look like. But of course, Cousins was really good at not turning the ball over too much mm-hmm. um, at times. And, you know, with Dobbs, that's still a, a concern. And with a rookie quarterback, it's very much, yeah. well, now do we view ourselves as a team that's ready to win, but we're going to bring in a rookie. But then chicken or egg, 
can a rookie win right away, which we have seen before in history, if you have the right setup for them. So it's a, a still remains a very complicated yeah. situation that Dobbs has added another very interesting layer to, yep. which guess what? We're going to talk about some more. And you know what? There may be another podcast down the road where you and I discuss the quarterback situation. I guess we'll find out. And there could be other players involved. That we don't even know who they are at this point. Maybe Kyler Murray looked pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hard to say, uh, but we will be here to find out. Kevin Seifert of ESPN obviously does tremendous work, as you all know. And uh, thank you all for watching, listening, or however you're consuming this. Take care, everybody. Football. <laughs>